Teen Sports listeners. I'm your host, Erica, the queen of teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday. This whole hour of Saddleboro Teen Athletes. Woo! And we're talking all athletes. Greetings, Mother Earth, and everybody who is on it listening to the show today. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to do a new introduction. <laughs> I like say, that. I say the same thing every yeah. week. I'm really excited. We have a full cast of teens, uh, queens, and kings. So let's get to it. First up, Romy Davies, Santa Barbara Dons. Romy, what's going on? Thank you, Erica, and hello, everyone. This is Romy Davies, Santa Barbara High School senior, reporting back from Santa Barbara, California with this week's SB Dawn Sports Recap. Paced by second place finisher Andreas Dibdahl, Santa Barbara won the large school race at the Clovis Invitational in Fresno on Saturday. The Charger girls finished 10th as a team and the Dawn's 30th. There are 37 schools competing in the boys' large school race and 33 in the girls' race. The five Dons boys scorers in the race were separated by under a minute. Dibdahl ran the course in 60 minutes and 8 seconds, followed by teammates Kane and Bertram, 60 minutes and 35 seconds, Oliver Levine, 60 minutes and 50 seconds, Blaze Snow, 60 minutes and 55 seconds, and Bodie Andrelatis with 17 minutes and 7 seconds. The Chargers will host the Dos Pueblos Invitational on Saturday, October 15th at their own course. In our homecoming game this Friday, San Rosa High School worked on its running game against Windless Channel Islands and ran away with a 55-0 football victory. Nathan Barrios rushed for three touchdowns, Koa Herrera ran for two, and Benicio Garcia-Holland scored one as the Dons improved to a 4-1 in Channel League and 6-1 overall. Channel Islands is 0-5 and 0-7. We host Dos Pueblos next Friday night. Last Tuesday, the boys' water polo team won their home game against Dos Pueblos by a score of 9-6, giving them an overall win to lose rate of 9-3. That's it for this week's SP Dons recap, and see you next time. Thank you, Romy. All right, next up, we've got a cardinal in the house, Bishop Diego. Let me give you a little... Um, Two cents on this guy. His name is Sean Walters. I'm really excited that he's on the show today. He's not, he's also, he's a football player and he's also on the campus ministry. And um, today's his debut. So let's put our hands together, give him a wall wel- warm welcome. Sean, what's going on? Thank you so much, Erica. This is Sean Walters coming to you with the Bishop Diego High School Sports Recap. Starting off with girls volleyball, on Thursday, the girls were able to clinch the Tri-Valley League Championship with an absolute thrilling reverse sweep against St. Bonaventure. Outstanding performances by Eliana Urzua, who had an unbelievable 40 kills, Emma Cogleiser, who had a whopping 26 digs, and stud Sofia Parisota, who added 8 digs along with 26 assists. That is just incredible. Girls Tennis, on the other hand, had a rough day on Friday as they lost to St. Bonaventure 3-15. I am completely sure they'll bounce back, though. Also on Friday, boys varsity football had a long, hard-fought battle against their Marmonte League opponent, the Oaks Christian Lions, in which they unfortunately came up short 24-21. Though we lost, we had some stellar performances as star senior running back Karan Gossett proved that he's the best once again as he rushed for 200 total yards and two touchdowns. Our defensive secondary also their part creating two turnovers, giving the ball back into the hands of senior quarterback A.J. Vele. 
Vele also added a rushing touchdown along with multiple completions to stud wideout Liam Flood. Our boys look to redeem themselves next Friday as they head off to face Calabasas. Well, that's all I've got for your Bishop Sports recap. Don't forget to tune in next week. This is Sean Walters signing off. Man, he hit, the, he hit it out of the park for his first day, right? Absolutely. I always tell, this is how we do it. Uh, we, we do it exactly how I was trained 12 years ago. Erica, three, two, one. We, we don't, there's no training. <laughs> there's nothing. And I say, speak from your heart. Speak as if you're talking to your friends. And every week you get better and better and better. Yep. And that's why the last guy in the house, class of 1967, okay, San Marcus Royal, our own Ed Langlo, he's going to finish up today. Ed, what's going on over at San Marcus? Thank you, Erica. I'm Ed Langlo, proud alum of San Marcus High with the Royals recap. The San Marcos football team came out as the underdog after seven consecutive losses to DP, but they threw down the gauntlet at Scott O'Leary Stadium Friday night and the fight was on. Andrew McCullough took a pitch out from Josh Engel and took it 43 yards for the first touchdown of the game. At 8 minutes, 50 seconds left in the first quarter, Luke Sheffy kicked the extra point to make it 7-0 Royals. Then Patrick Kelly took the pitch from Engel and charged 27 yards downfield for a touchdown. Jeffy's kick was again good, making it 14-0 at 4:17 of the first quarter. San Marcos put together an imposing 87-yard drive, culminating in another touchdown, this time by Owen Lauderdale. The extra point wasn't there, so it's now 20 to nothing. Engel then completed a 21-yard touchdown pass to Luke Crawford. Sheffy's kick is good, making it 27 to zip. In their second possession of the second half, the Royals ran a reverse. Engel handed the ball to McCullough. McCullough gave the ball to Nathan Jones going the other direction, and Jones took it all away, making it San Marcos 34, Dos Pueblos nada. Royals' Owen Lauderdale garnered a touchdown, served the Chargers with big hits, and blocked a field goal attempt, earning him MVP of the game. David Busso scored twice for the Chargers in the fourth quarter to end it. San Marcos 34, Dos Pueblos 14. Next Friday, the Royals venture down to Oxnard. In volleyball, the Royals' girls swept Buena in their last home Channel League match, 25-8, 25-19, and 25-19 making them 10-3 and, and tied for second place with Oxnard. In water polo, San Marcos defeated Thousand Oaks 13-7 in a non-league game. Then on Thursday, they faced Westlake in a home game. Nick Prentice led the Royals with five goals and three steals. Charlie Franzen had one goal and six steals. Emmett Haggerty had four goals. Jordan Lynn landed two goals and two steals. And Matthew Domboski, eight blocks and three steals. The Royals are 5-0 in league play. And our guest today is Linda Jordan of Ojai Unified.
live our Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday, 9 a.m. Hi, I'm Don Sanders, donsmassageohi.com. And the, the future will be built, created by the passion and power of youth. Uh, here in here in Ojai and Ventura, we work closely with Santa Barbara, promoting all kinds of the small business and the community that supports the youth, whether they're in sports, whether they're in arts, whether they're in more academic, whether they're into the trades. And so I have we have a guest today from Ojai Unified School District. She's the public information officer and the homeless foster youth liaison and assistant to Dr. Tiffany Morse, the OUSD superintendent that was with us over the summer. This is Linda Jordan. Woo! Let's put it together. We love the family fund. (laughs) Good morning, good morning. (laughs) Thank you, Don, for that very gracious introduction. I'm also the director of a nonprofit formed in 2021 called OUSD Family Fund. It is a separate 501c3 nonprofit, and I'm I'm excited to share an event that we have coming up with you all today. Nice. When's it happening? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Family Fund, if that's okay first. Yes. so your, your audience can learn a little bit more. Family Fund, as we were talking pre-show a little bit about what Family Fund is and does, it's very unique. And so it's a little bit different to um, explain. Uh, we, we had a piece in SSDA magazine um, over the summer, and that's Small School Districts Association magazine. They reached out to us because they said, there's nothing like Family Fund anywhere in any public school that we can find. And I said, well, that's that's Ojai and that's sort of the, the heart of Ojai. In fact, our um, mission and our um, basically our vision is o- Ojai Unified School District is the heart and future of the community, the heart and future. And I do believe, just as Don stated, that the next generation is the heart and future of the world. So what are we doing to ensure that we're leveling the playing field for them? So Dr. Morris came to me and uh fall of 2019 and said, uh, we just ran numbers for our low and very low income families. And Linda, about half of our students, uh, over 1,100 out of 2,200 living in Ohio are low or very low income. Those, those terminologies are specific to the California Department of Education. And basically what it means is at poverty level or below poverty level. So you can imagine after we, we did this sort of research into, uh, you know, the demographics of our of our families, how we started thinking differently. Dr. Morse came to me and said, you know, we can feed them while they're on campus because they qualify for free meals. So, we, you know, when the kids are with us, we can feed them breakfast and lunch and we know that their nutrition needs are needs are being met. But what else do they need? I said, That's a good question. So we began a surveying process and the surveying process went out to all of those through a closed platform system that we have. uh, It's called Parent Square. Uh, A survey went out to all of those families and said, what is it that you need? And from that, you know, quantifiable research, we were able to look at and and some conversations as well, some qualified conversations. so some conversations that we had and we were able to um, to confirm that data. 
was they were looking for basically seven services, seven services that if, as we look at them today, it really levels the playing field for student needs, whether it's in school, after school, or even at home. And so these are these are what we found. This is what our, our students and our families asked for. They asked for bikes and other transportations. So let's think about it. You know, if there is a low income family and maybe it's a single parent and maybe that single parent works two back to back jobs. How does that kid get to school? Certainly we have public school transportation, but what if they're not near a bus stop? So we provide them with bikes. We've delivered over 220 bikes given to families in need since October of 2019. Um, and we also provide bike helmets and bike locks. We also provide until September of, uh, of this year, uh, you know, bus tokens and trolley tokens weren't free. Now they are for all students in all of Ventura County. It's called Go Ventura County. It's an amazing program. But up until then, for three years, basically, we were providing trolley tokens, which is our local Ojai trolley, so they could get back and forth to school, or bus tokens if they perhaps lived out of the valley. Um, and so we provided that for free. We've also provided nine, now nine clothing closet events since 2019. So it's seasonal. So imagine it's back to school. And um, we just did a, a quick little um, survey and we did a little bit more research. The average family, and this is in the United States, the average family in the United States spent over $600 per child on back to school items. That included clothing, shoes, uh, back to school type things like school supplies, et cetera, Backpacks. $600 per student. Can you imagine? It's the cost of living increase. Everything has increased. Yep. And so we provide also school supplies. We order them each semester based on teacher needs, teacher list of suggested supplies. And since August of 2020, we've delivered over 1,500 student packets that have been assembled and distributed. Wow. Uh, we provide after-school care funding. We do have, um, you know, little after-school care, like it's called the Cub Club or the whatever. But basically, it allows, again, that single parent or that parent to, to be able to work a full-time job and provide for their family. Um, but, you know, maybe the cost of child care, even though it's very discounted, maybe they, they still can't meet that need. So we've been able to provide fee waivers for extended day, um, fee waivers for all qualified families. We've been able to provide after-school enrichment programs. We have performing arts after school. We have an after-school mountain biking club. We have after-school, all kinds of really cool things. But if you are a, you know, a girl and you uh, are attending high school and all of your friends wanna join the lacrosse team, but you're very low income, your mom can't afford a $95 pair of lacrosse shoes. The schools will, will give you the uniform, but should you have to run in tennis shoes? No. So we receive those uh, requests from our low and very low income students, anything that levels the playing field. There's also some really amazing field trips that our students get to go to every year. There's two that I'm going to highlight for you. And, um, you know, feel free to jump in and ask me questions at any time. I just get so passionate. I start talking and talking and talking. Um, there is a two major field trips that all fifth grade students get to go to called Catalina Island Marine Institute. So it's a three day experience. I know when my son went to Catalina Island Marine Institute as a, as a fifth grader, I was like, oh, how much? All right. Well, sell something on Craigslist. We'll see, you know, but some families don't have that opportunity. 
Catalina Island Marine Institute is a three-day experience on Catalina Island in um, this incredible, it's basically a marine biology lab where students get to learn how to scuba dive. They do, uh, not scuba dive, I'm sorry, um, snorkel. They do a night snorkel. They get to um, be in a lab, in a marine lab, working with actual scientists, and they learn some really cool hands-on things. Well, if your family can't afford the $350 for this trip, I mean, what do you do? So a lot of times, you know, our schools will fundraise and they'll do whatever. But, you know, Family Fund has come along and said, listen, last year we did a, a little survey and there were 48 students that qualified. This is 48 fifth graders, just fifth graders who qualified as low and very low income. We sent a message to all 48 families, 28 applied for help and were delivered scholarships as well as anything else they needed. Do you need a sleeping bag? Do you need warm clothing, like a hoodie or whatever. It gets cold on the island. And we were able to help 28 students, which I was very excited about. That's and moving wow. forward, we hope that even increases. Um, also, there's this incredible event called the Anaheim, Anaheim Heritage Music Festival, which our Nordoff music students are, they're renowned for, for being award winners. We have an amazing music program. There was one student who was very low income he applied for a scholarship. We were able to provide him a scholarship and he could attend three days at Anaheim with the students that he'd been with all four years. He was a graduating senior. He was a music student as a ninth grader all the way through. He was wow. an amazing performer and there was no way we were going to say no to that kid. So I, I start getting a little. Mm. You know, oh, my gosh. How this so amazing. Give us the contact information. How can people get involved and help donate to this family? That's a fund? really great question. So we do have an event coming up that supports it's our annual event. And you may or may not be able to attend, but um, you can reach out to OUSD Family Fund at gmail.com, which is our um, we have a, a nonprofit board. We have a board in place, articles of corporation. Everybody who is on the board gets to see that and respond to that email address. And we also have a turkey trot. It's our second annual turkey trot. And we ask um, families to make a difference for local families in need this holiday season when they're a turkey trot sponsor. So we have a sponsorship or you can just come and run with us on Thanksgiving morning at Norwalk <laughs> High School. Oh, um, and that so that's fantastic. Those yeah. are ways you can give. Mm -hmm. We were so impressed with Dr. Tiffany, and that's why we wanted you to come back. And honestly, I know you're doing all the communications down there, but if we could be a platform for you, Teen Sports Radio, we would welcome you with open arms, Linda. It's truly yeah. anything so really, inspiring. Really Thank wonderful. You. Really yeah. wonderful to see you. Really wonderful to see you today. And please come back again. Erica invited you to become a co-host. And so uh I, I really all those in, all those in favor <laughs> say aye. aye. There you yeah. go. That's what yeah. we want. We want community leaders. That's what this show is all about. Don, yeah, where very, where are we going next? Wonderful. So next uh, next we're gonna have a little break and then we're gonna come back with Ed Langlow. If only I'd known. Nice. We 
right back, and this is Santa Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica, the queen of teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. I'm Ed Langlow with If Only I Had Known. If Only I Had Known is a mentor's moment with the teens with us remotely on Zoom, as well as those listening into the show on the radio. We're going to do something a little different today. If Only I Had Known will be a little more of a discussion. I typically will take an adage or a, a story from uh, high school history and, and, and write up a segment. But today it's based on uh, some quotes that a friend of mine, Steve Bernston, sent me a long list of quotes, two pages long. And he thought that maybe I'd be able to use some of them in my If Only I'd Known segments. And sure enough, I found a couple of them that, that really applied the first one had to do with something that I've done complete segments about, and that's opinion. Your opinion, if you get into a, a posturing moment and a debate about something, consider the fact that is this just my opinion? Because the definition or one of the definitions in my dictionary is as a noun, an opinion is a belief or a judgment that rests on grounds insufficient to produce complete certainty. So an opinion is say compared to a fact, like you'll never hear, or you probably will never hear anyone say that uh, it is my opinion that pi D equals C, because that's a fact. So if it qualifies as an opinion, uh, try not to get too serious about it, have a discussion rather than a debate. and it, that can go into religion or politics or anything where you take something to heart. We take our religious beliefs to heart. So when someone uh, disagrees with us, we we get insulted because it sounds as though they're saying that we don't know what we're talking about. We're an idiot. So you get upset about it and you need to try and make it more of a conversation than a debate. Breathe. Yeah. It, yep. It's it's really important to do that. So this this first quote is uh, don't condemn others with a different opinion than yours, as you may both be wrong. And I, <laughs> I had to laugh mm -hmm. at that last part, as you may both be wrong, because I never really looked at it that way. But it it really applied. And, and the other thing about the quote that I that caught my eye was. It's attributed to Danimus. So Danimus was a philosopher, probably Greek. And when Alexander invaded India, they got into a headbutting contest over uh, materialist, which obviously Alexander the Great was a very materialist and Danimus was not. So if you look at the dates, this would have been the fourth century BC that Alexander invaded India. So that always fascinates me when something goes back that far and the philosophies or the things that people are discussing at that time go back that far. But like Pompeii, that's one of the things that put Pompeii on my bucket list was uh, it was a quote that I that that I read in National Geographic, they had done in 1984, they did a, a spread on Pompeii and Herculaneum and, and Vesuvius and this uh, 
this verse that was written on the wall of a residence in Pompeii had to go back prior to the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. That means that that quote was written over 2,000 years ago. And uh, I got an opportunity to visit Pompeii this year. I spent a whole day walking the streets of Wow. Just to find that quote. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. I said, just to find that quote. I get it. Oh, no, I, I didn't. I don't know that they would have let us into the, those kind of sensitive areas that, inside the house. But but um, it just it fascinated me that 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 was written that long ago that the. The verse was, uh, if I remember right, it's nothing can last in in ever-changing time. The sun that just shone brightly returns to the sea, and the moon wanes that just showed brightly in the sky, and the savagery of love's passion often ends up as a gentle breeze. Sounds like something Dominique wow. wrote. Dominique, I think yeah, that was yours. Could say. <laughs> you came back. Life. You came back. <laughs> it, it just fascinated me that the the romantic issues in those day two thousand years ago were so similar to what we're experiencing today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the human if experience. only I'd if only I had known when I was young not to condemn others with their different opinions, as we may both be wrong. I'll throw one other thing in there, uh, Ed, if you can maybe talk about this. What's the di- what in your perspective, from your perspective, from this particular presentation you've just made, the difference between an opinion and an observation? Well, an observation, it would be just an empirical, it would be empirical knowledge of what could be a fact or could be an opinion. So if you view something you have empirical knowledge of it, but if it's if it's not a fact, if you let's say you observe someone giving a speech, a political speech, that still could be a political opinion. So you have to, even though you've observed something, you've seen it, you've heard it, mm-hmm. you still need to diagnose that to know what is this just a political dogma or is this a fact is it true Mm -hmm. so when you my advice has always been that when you get into a debate and you start posturing over your opinion if you can define your position as an opinion try to let it be a discussion rather than a than than a a debate Mm -hmm. that you get into a shouting match with someone over Oh, I love and, that. Well, it's and just, it, Dominique always says, if something triggering you and you're heated, go go to that space and place inside. Or why oh, wow. are you so upset? Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what yeah. is? Right. Why am I acting like this? Yeah. Because it's not. That was the thing that just triggered you. What's but, the magic yeah. for me here? Yeah, what's the yeah. magic? How did it? Yeah. Yeah. And from and, my perspective, and, as an observation, at least for me, this is just for me. Uh, when I uh, speak on observations, I always say. That's my observation now. And as I gather new information, the observation is going to change. Dr. Jean, she does a lot with kids. Dr. Jean, when you see somebody um, 
going in full force and, and just is stuck on something, what do you do to help break that down? Well, I was just thinking about how, you know, even in that idea of like a discussion versus a debate, I definitely, I think about the emotional part that is connected, right? And that if if we're in an emotional state, we might feel really strongly about something. So just getting people to come to a place of, yeah, what is it? Let's let the feeling part be out and be present. And that can be valid. And then we might return to it again, right? So that we, we call that the coherent narrative, right? So this is my narrative for now. And then, you know, next week, I might have some other insights and a mm. different coherency to how I understand what my issue was. Yeah, mm. Sweet. So All right. Today's society, we, we, support more gender equality and, and social acceptance than we have in any time in, in my lifetime. But I, I feel that we're making up for it by political intolerance mm. and, and, and religious dissent, particularly the, the politics, make up for that. Nice. And, Unfortunately, um, yeah. Another quote. Oh, go ahead, we, Don. Um, we gotta let's do this. We need to take. We gotta shave some time here. Ed, who do you who do want to who do we have next? Uh, up next will be Dominique Hackett with a Huga moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> nice transition. Yeah. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday, 9 a.m. Hi, I'm Dominique Hackett, and this is a Huga moment. A Huga! Huga has to do with the things that are comfy and cozy in life that help support our living and growing character, and especially for teens, helping improve our, our learning environments. So this is a quick story about courage, and it has to do with um, a gentleman named John and his friends. He had about a group of 10 friends, and every year they would climb a mountain. And this year they decided to climb in Rancho Cucamonga. There's a peak called Cucamonga Peak. And Cucamonga Peak is about 8.8 .8 in elevation, and it takes about five hours round trip to climb this mountain. So he and his friend climbed it, and when they got to the top, it took about three and a half hours to get to the top. They're looking, oh, it's so beautiful. But John turned around and he looked, and he's like, wow, Mount Baldy is right there. Why don't we go climb Mount Baldy? And everybody was kind of kicking back, and they're thinking about, well, maybe we'll just, you know, camp here, have fun, you know. Why go climb anything else? This, this was this was easy, comfortable. We had a good time. Let's just you know stay in our stay in our comfort zone. So John 
convinced a friend of his, and together the next day, they decided to go climb Mount Baldy. Now, Mount Baldy is 10 feet elevation. 10 feet? Yeah. So it took them about 10,000 feet. 10,000 feet. I was going to say, wow, 10 feet. I can even handle <laughs> sure, that. that. I can sure. handle that. Yeah, I can do it. Note to self, I am dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and teens, if you've never had that issue happen, my dyslexia includes reading time. I have difficulty reading time. So 10,000 foot elevation. I have climbed Mount Baldy. So John and his one friend, they made that climb. There weren't as many people at the top. And when they got to the top, took them about four and a half hours. They started at daybreak. Everyone who was up there, there were only a few people, applauded. And that's what happens. When you get up to the top of a 10,000 foot elevation, if anyone's there before you, they really give you a round of applause because you have achieved something. Mm. And at the top of Mount Baldy, you can see the ocean and you can see the Mahal desert on a clear day. It's amazing. So John was talking to one of the veteran hikers up at the top of Mount Baldy, and he said, why don't more people climb Mount Baldy? Why do they just climb Cucamonga Peak? And this veteran hiker said, you know, most people stay within a crowd, and very few people have the courage to step out of that crowd and try something that takes a little more effort. Mm. But when you do something that takes a little more effort, mm-hmm. you see things and have experiences that you don't have if you stay within the crowd. So what we encourage people with the Huga moment is understanding the Huga qualities in your life means that you can take those qualities and take them on your adventures and reach out of your comfort zone and step out of the crowd. And And we're going to talk about next some issues that are kind of difficult issues where people are stepping out of the crowd, having courage to have a different experience in order to make life better and more enjoyable for many, many people. Nice. Love it. That's beautiful. Well, I don't know how, you know, there's only one person. (laughs) We're going back and forth with this issue. Should we? Nah, yes, no. I mean, this is the the show that has broke ground in so many different areas. But why not... why not share, right? Because that's what a lot of people don't uh, pay attention to sports. They just don't, and that's okay. Um, teens do, but I want to elevate this to everybody because we're all, it's like a ripple effect, right? So we all got to, I just want Dr. Amy now to drop that boulder in the middle of the lake. And what, do, what, <laughs> let's, let's do it, Dr. Let's have Amy. Courage. That's it. Okay, I'm ready. So this is Dr. Amy Saltzman with Still Quiet Place and Spot a Spider. And today, Erica's wisely chosen topic is the abuse scandal in women's soccer. So for those of you who are not aware, um, this past week, Sally Yates, who did an independent investigation, found rampant abuse in the NWSL and the United States Soccer Federation. And although normally when I talk about preventing abuse, I'm actually talking about what athletes, students, musicians and their parents can do at home. Today, we're going to talk more broadly about what we as a society can do. And this gets back to Dominique's comments, because what this requires actually is both individual and institutional courage. And what that means is that as a 
team or a club or a sports organization or even FIFA or the International Olympic Committee, we need to have the courage to put the proper policies in place. So that means screening coaches and staff, um, ensuring that coaches and staff sign conduct agreements about what's acceptable conduct and what's prohibited conduct. It means having anonymous athlete surveys and actually having those surveys conducted at least once a year and then following through on the results. Um, It also means um, that you have an anonymous way for an athlete, parent or staff member to report a concern that you have an athlete safety committee to investigate that concern in a trauma informed way. And then if you do discover abuse that you act promptly, if you're unsure, the person who of concern is suspended until you're sure either that they have um, perpetrated abuse, in which case they should be fired and perhaps police reports should be made and all those types of things. Or if you truly determine after an independent trauma sensitive investigation that they haven't, then maybe at a minimum that person needs to be retrained. But then I think the biggest issue is there need to be consequences, not only for the perpetrators, but for any responsible adult who is aware of and allows abuse to continue on their watch so those people should be losing their jobs and yesterday the portland thorns fired two of their higher ups um i believe today the chicago red stars have fired two of their higher ups because they did know and they failed to act to protect their players i think the last count and this was just last weekend half of the league has removed somebody Half of the teams, yes. out of the 10 teams, five teams have removed somebody. And it, I, and Don said it best. It's like the tip of the iceberg. And I think it's great. I mean, why did we have all this COVID and all this other kind of stuff? I mean, think about what it did for mm-hmm. humanity. You know, it's almost like we woke up. Or we're waking up. Oh, we mm-hmm. are waking up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, it's just important. Dr. Jean. Well, I really I like uh, some of the things you were saying there, Amy, about, you know, accountability and and proactive ways of doing that. Um, You know, I think about people like therapists and teachers, you know, we have access to children. We work with children uh, so much and there are all kinds of mandated reporter laws and things that, that have to happen and things that are in place so that children can be safe and that there's safe ways to be to for it to report. Um, I was also looking at that. Uh, what Sally Yates had reported also on the safe sport, that that was, you know, just that label that something's called safe sport and it's supposed to be uh, a place to, to make reports. So that was that was disappointing. Right. right? Things that are the, the issue is right now that safe sport is not fulfilling its mandate and its function. And what we've seen is that in and of itself, that's not adequate, which is why I created spot a spider why i created the comprehensive programs from spot a spider that cover everyone from athlete and parents to the ioc 
Like there are gaps at each level that need to be addressed. Parents need to be having conversations with their athletes so that athletes know what to look for and have the language to speak up. And then if you go all the way to the other end, the IOC needs to be implementing and actually using comprehensive systems to prevent abuse. And I, all of those are outlined under the resources on Spot a Spider. Beautiful. Hey, I want to continue this. We still have a lot more show. Let's take a break. It's Erica, Queen of Teen. We'll be back with more after these messages. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. This is Dr. Amy Saltzman with Teen Sports Radio, and we are moving on to gratitude, knowing that this conversation about how to protect athletes, students, musicians, employees, parishioners from abuse is going to continue. So my gratitude is for Dominique and Erica, because last week I was having a day and couldn't quite find my truth and my faith. And I went over and got a hug and had a chat and felt so much better afterwards. And so I just want to say that even though all of us here on Team Sports Radio may seem like we have it all together, we all have our moments, and I just encourage people to reach out to folks they love and trust for support. Wow, Ooh. that was unexpected. Thank you. That was sweet. Definitely. Ed, who do you want to say? We got three minutes. I'd like to give a shout out to Steve Bernstein, who gave me the quotes. He gave me the two pages of quotes that I'll be able to use some of on If Only I'd Known. Nice. I Dawn. I want to give a shout out to Anthony, who was here, but couldn't, couldn't uh, get on earlier for his tireless work behind the scenes and to all people who are working so hard behind the scenes. And I've heard it said a measure of our character is how we treat people that are working hard behind the scenes, not just the people that we need to do business with, nice. you know, right in front of us. That's beautiful. Dr. G. I want to send a thank you out to Nicola Gordon, a good friend of mine. She's an artist and a musician, and she's just that one person that, you know, when you really need to connect and, you know, we go take beach walks, very simple, simple times together. And um, it's just so special to be able to have that person that you can go to. And all you got to do is spend a little time with them. It's nice. really nice. D Dominique. 
I want to give a quick thanks to the hiking guy. You can Google it, the hiking guy. So if you're planning on going for a hike, check out on the internet before you go. They give you really great information about the hike you're about to embark on. Nice. Our producer, 12 years. He's like a brother, Richard Dugan. Hey, sis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm going to send uh, a, my gratitude out to uh, general manager of the station, Les Carroll. Uh, he's, uh, he's going through it right now with uh, just the stuff that's going on in his life, uh, just like the rest of us as well. But uh, I just send a special thanks out to him for, uh, for his, uh, his support and encouragement, uh, as well as uh, allowing us to also support and encourage him. Okay, so you stole mine. That's oh. how you know we're related. Yes. We have some DNA there together. So go. now I'm in panic as ADHD sets in. Well, so you can be grateful to him, too. I, I, I love the guy. Yeah. I, I, we had a, a, we've been checking in every yeah. other day or Good. so. He's got Good. a lot going on. And yeah. I just, he's just a power. Yeah. And um, he's the godfather, yeah, is what is. Les is. Les, yeah. if you have daddy issues, yeah. you have a show on News Press Radio if you have daddy issues. I have, to, everybody knows. I've <laughs> spent $10,000 to be able to say that I have daddy issues in therapy. <laughs> um, and I love this man, and he's going through a lot, and he knows we're all on Teen Sports Radio. We, he's in our thoughts and prayers. So, Les, we love you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Make somebody happy this week. God bless. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,